Hello, you're listening to Pride Life Presents, the podcast that brings you unfiltered and honest conversations with the most influential members of the LGBTQ plus community, hosted by me, Saski, Pride host, LGBTQ plus inclusion specialist consultant, celebrity interviewer, queer mentor and coach. Hey everyone, I'm Saski and welcome once again to another Pride Life Presents. These shows are just coming in thick and fast and I am so excited every single time to be able to chat away, and you know how much I love a chat, to these fabulous people from the LGBTQIA plus community. And you, lucky people, get to sit there, relax and listen. So for our next interview on Pride Life Presents. We have got one of Instagram and TikTok's finest, may I add, uh, uh, um, uh, an LGBTQ plus content creator, speaker, educator and influencer. And I know uh, he's got a lot to talk about this fabulous work that he does, but also someone who is out for creating and showing the positive side of trans life and being part of the LGBTQ plus community. I think something that is very refreshing and something indeed we all need to talk about. So please welcome Mr. Max Slack. Max, how are you doing? Hello, Saski. I'm very good. That was quite an intro. I don't know if I'm going to be able to live up to it, but I'll try my best. <laughs> I am very good. How are you on I... this this wonderful Thursday? I know this wonderful Thursday is like four seasons in one day from where I I am in London. I've been locked in an office all day. It could be it could be thirty degrees outside. <laughs> I hope it is. I know. Well, I'm I'm kind of we're at that stage, aren't we? You're like, where's my thermals? I've got them at the ready. But I'm not ready to put them on. You but know I'm I mean? also sweaty at the same time. Yeah. Sweat, yes. sweating in our thermals. Yeah, what a great start to the to the chat. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of sweat chat. I'm on testosterone. This is this is what you can expect. Oh God! Well, you're on testosterone. I'm at, I'm at the age where I'm probably about to go through some other change myself. So you know, this it's is a hormone be good. party. It is a hormone <laughs> party, exactly. Ooh, like that. There we go. <laughs> um, just firstly, you know, thanks so much for coming to chat to us um, at Pride Life Presents. You know, it's some you, we've wanted you on for ages, but with your busy schedule, we, you know, we we couldn't yes, I'm pin you down. Very busy and important. Yeah, Such, well, you are. That's, that's, well, no, I'm just really disorganised. That's the secret. I'm like, I'm sorry, I've been really busy. No, I just like forgot I had an email address for two weeks or something like that. I have ADHD. Ah, uh, well, you know, sometimes that can work for people. <laughs> I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you for bearing with me. Ah, uh, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so look, so many you do do so many different things. Um, you know, you, as again, designer, uh, entrepreneur, content creator, speaker, educator. So all of these lovely strands make the Max Slack that we. And I'm sure of many more make the max slacks that we are chatting to and that we see before us today. Um, have you always been someone who's been really quite creative, um, even from when you were maybe younger? What was you like kind of growing up in that respect? Mm, so this is a really interesting question. I was literally talking about this today because I was having a coaching session, because apparently that's something I do now. And I was saying, I honestly... I feel like I'm at a point where I'm going back to all of these things where I was interested in as a very young child and that kind of got sidelined for whatever reason. And I'm finally going back to it. And it's something that 
a lot of trans people that I speak to have experienced, and particularly trans people who've come out, I'm going to say later in life, which is ridiculous Mm. considering I came out at 27, but that is considered older when you're coming out as a trans person. We we mostly talk about kind of teenage and people in their early 20s. So I came out when I was 27. I started medically transitioning at 28. And what that means is that I'm now 30. I've been on testosterone for two years. I've had top surgery. And I do not know who on earth I am. Mm, there is this person that I've become, and I, you know, I love him, and I'm so happy to be Max, but I was someone else for such a long time, and I wasn't the authentic version of myself for such a long time mm. that I feel like I don't really know what my interests are. I don't know what I enjoy. I don't know what I want to do. And something that I talk about a lot, or I use this word all the time, I use the word thriving, because my view is that you have surviving and you have thriving. And most trans mm-hmm. people are surviving. And I, I see myself as prior to transition as surviving. So I was doing all the things I had to do to survive. And I will say this, you know, I'm talking about this in an incredibly privileged way. I was never, mm. you know, like on the poverty line or I always had housing and, and fairly supportive parents. But from an emotional perspective, I was really just following the things everybody else was doing. So I you know, got an education and I went to uni and I got a job and I had a girlfriend and I went out every Saturday night and I did all these things that everybody else was doing. And it wasn't bringing me the same joy. And I was like, okay, I guess this is like happiness. Everyone else must feel this way. Yeah. Turns out they didn't. Um, and as part of that, I've now, you know, I'm, I'm at this place in my life where I've got, I've, you know, I've had surgery and hormones and, you know, that was very personal to me and something that I wanted to do. And I feel very settled in my life. And I'm suddenly at a point where I don't have to worry about all the basics anymore. And I get to think like, what, what would you like to do? Mm. And that's a really scary question. So for me, I'm going back to things that I used to enjoy that I maybe haven't had an opportunity to do as an adult. And a huge part of that is creativity. And I'm only just starting to work out how that comes into my life. Like, Some of that is writing. Some of that is visual stuff with Instagram. Like I've started doing kind of um, digital art and drawings to do kind of infographics. I do a lot of stuff on video. Um, I write a lot of content for LinkedIn. Yeah, like you said, I do loads of different things. And I'm only just realizing how much joy that brings me and how much excitement that I've been missing out on by not having that as a part of my life. So very long answer to a very short question. I think I have always been creative, but I'm not sure if I had the capacity to be creative until mm. this point in my life. Yeah. And I think interesting, as you talk about, you know, that 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 version of yourself and that's something I think particularly within our community, you know, we do always strive to be mm-hmm. your true, authentic self, best version of ourselves. And we are always growing in that. But I guess um, similar to, to what many people, again, may say within the LGBTQI plus community about maybe interesting how you're kind of going back because the first time round you had maybe suppressed those parts of who you were even though you talk Mm -hmm. about the privilege but as as we know whether it's coming out around sexual orientation gender identity there are always parts we have to hide and suppress and that kind of overshadows who we could have been at that point so hugely makes a lot of sense really we hear a lot of people in, in the lgbtq community as a whole talking about the idea of a second puberty or a second adolescence mm. and that rings true for so many people like how many queer people in their mid-20s do you know that behave like 18 year olds because we didn't get to be our authentic selves at mm. 17 18 we didn't get to be that person 
So we get to completely redo it. And I think that takes on a whole new level for trans people because you're even more in the closet at that point. You're even more trying to fit into this other space. And you also go through a physical puberty. Mm-hmm. So you end up in this really, you know, I'm a, I'm a, th- I mean, how do I even put this? I'm a, a 30 year old AFAB person or, you know, effectively a teenage boy in, in the body of a 30 year old woman which is very confusing yeah. for everyone involved. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I think, and I, I I like to think that people are starting to recognize that. And, and one of the things that I love to talk about is the idea that there are no rules. And I think that queer people are really great at embracing this because we start off and we're like, I have to be X, Y, Z. And then we realize actually we don't, and we can be queer or whatever part of the community you identify with, and we can be trans. And that you know, there's quite a lot of research on how that actually seeps into the rest of your life and how you will often take different paths, you know, whether that's employment, whether that's family structure. And that can be so interesting. And I think that that often when you meet a lot of creative people who are also in the LGBTQ community, that's why they've done so well, because they've actually had that expectation lifted from them. And I just, I think it's really, really exciting. It can be quite scary, but it's also super exciting to realize actually all of these rules that I've been given are kind of optional and I can pretty much do whatever I want. Yeah. And it's a exciting time in many ways. I mean, as we know, and I'm sure we will touch on it as well, we do know that once again, particularly for the trans community, unfortunately, there's a lot of negative press again. There's a big media storm and, you know, it sometimes must feel like it never ends. However, the flip side to it, and I think I've even read stuff that you've talked about as well, and, and I know I've mentioned it before. Sometimes the loudest, the loudest voices are the small; they're the smaller group. You know, you can get people mm-hmm. caught up in thinking, "Oh my gosh, we, everyone thinks like this. Everyone is so negative towards the trans community." But actually, mm-hmm. I think people like you know yourselves, or even we talk about Gen Z. I'm showing the age now and all that, aren't we? Whatever Gen letter you are, I know I'm not any of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, at the point is, is that there is a new turn, a new cycle of the way people think about gender. And mm. it is breaking the boundaries. It is breaking barriers and saying we don't have to conform and we're not going mm. to, which is, I think, mm-hmm. it's really positive in many ways. Hugely. It, it, it's hard because you have these two very distinct camps. You have people who are a bit like, look, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Like the younger generations, the TikTok generation, absolutely do not care and will not be told. And that's great. And then you have this kind of backlash in the more mainstream press. And what concerns me is that the people in the middle, depending on what they are exposed to, can become problematic. And by problematic, I mean, you know, people who up until fairly recently, would never have thought about trans people. It's just not something that comes into the universe. Mm. That's fine. Not everybody lives under a rainbow rock like me, where all of their friends are queer or trans. I'd recommend it because it's great. But (laughs) (laughs) most people just exist in this middle ground and they have no strong feelings one way or the other. And my concern with that is that they can just, you know, they pick up a newspaper and not, you know, like The Guardian, you know, like big, big media outlets that are putting forward these ideas and it means that people who otherwise could be an ally or even just completely neutral are only really getting one very negative view and I really I will Mm. not call it a debate because it is not a debate Mm, but they get this very manipulated view and then they kind of perpetuate that and I had an example recently I was running an internal session for a client on pronouns and I was 
talking about you know how to use them and all those things and one of the questions was why is this being forced on us and i decided mm. to i was like okay let's unpack that um trying really I was, I was like stay calm deep breath. come on <laughs> deep breath i was like okay yeah. let's unpack that for a second <clears throat> because it's not being forced on you mm. that's the the very truth of the matter is it's not but what it actually is, is this person had read articles about people being, you know, losing their jobs for refusing to use someone's pronouns and the woke left and all of those things. And I'm like, first of all, this isn't really happening. Like you, yeah. there's, there's, there's additional things to that, but also they were coming to this with no understanding of why pronouns are a thing in the first place. Mm. And that's, I know we haven't, we didn't quite get onto that topic, but I just, yeah, it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently is it's all very well and good to say the younger people, the younger people, this is great. We talk about it a lot. We say, you know, the amount of people who say to me like, oh, my kids are so comfortable with, you know, queer people and trans people. And I say to them, yes, because we've done the work. Because of all the work that people like me and you and everyone who has come before us has had these conversations and much harder conversations. They've existed in the closet. They've been the first people to come out at work, the first Mm -hmm. people to get married, to fight for gay marriage. The reason why younger people are now much more accepting is because of that. And my fear is that if we just assume that it's some kind of generational thing, that mm. people are going to get sucked into this vacuum. Mm. I um, hear it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, very true. Very true. And you are right. I mean, for me, even as a, a, a inclusion consultant myself as well, similar thing about pronouns, you know, why do we have to say that? Or, and I always say as well, even though I talk about Gen Z and Gen whatever letter I don't fit into anymore. I <laughs> I also though it's true I say but we can't forget you know the other generations because you know I hate this idea of also you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's like yes you can. We cannot just say just because it's a generational thing that we can't. I don't can't buy be educated. it. No, not at all. I don't not buy it. If my eighty-five-year-old grandparents can get my pronouns right. Yes. Anyone else can, although they are Cornish, so instead of him and her, it's him and her. Him and her. But they <laughs> were like, it's a good give, him, give him his pocket money. I was like, I'm 30, but yes, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah, if my grandparents can get on board with it, so can you. And it's, I feel like I say this phrase every day, respect before understanding. You might not yeah. get it. That's fine. There's a lot of stuff I don't get. I don't get a lot of stuff about religion. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I'll still be as respectful as I possibly can towards you because we're both human beings. And that's what it comes down to is just this belief that everybody deserves to be treated with respect. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And and that is the first, you know, that comes, that we can go into like a training conference, can't we? We (laughs) Just bias and what you're saying. (laughs) But it is, it is very true. It is very true. But look, let's bring this also thinking about the respect side of things and, you know, thinking back to the fabulous Max that we love, that we're so excited to speak to. Um, let's talk about um, both and apparel mm. because mm-hmm. one thing I must say is that any research I've done, or even when I've seen you online, you think, "Ah, oh, just you are you are proper dapper," and I love it. <laughs> and uh, and I particularly love the suits that you wear and yeah, your clothing. So tell us a bit more about both and how did you? What was your kind of connection to it, playing that role? So both and um, for context of those listening, both and is a non-binary transmasculine clothing brand which effectively means that we make clothing which is designed for afab bodies so assigned female at birth bodies or mm-hmm. you know maybe uh hormonally curvier bodies whatever you want to call them who want to have a more masculine silhouette and fit yeah and that sounds like it would be quite easy but actually it's involved this complete 
redesign of clothing. And you know, I'll go into some of the features in a minute. But mm. so I, oh, this is it's such a, such a good story. So I met Finn, who is the CEO in Dalston Superstore <laughs> on a sweaty June afternoon about a more year sweat, and a half ago. <laughs> it was very sweaty. There's a lot of trans boys in that place. Um, <laughs> and I was actually on a date and I said to the person I was on a date with, like, hey, let's go to this pop-up in Dawson Superstore. Ended up bumping into Finn. We had a massive chat about everything he was doing. And, and me and him, have, you know, we're almost exactly the same age. We started testosterone at the same time. We're basically trans twins. <laughs> and I loved everything he was doing. I spent pretty much every penny I had on T-shirts that day. And this was, like, super early on in, in the both and journey. Like, they'd kind of just launched. Mm. Fast forward to earlier this year... I went freelance to do kind of content creation and speaking and then got in touch and said, Hey, come and, you know, come and do some work for us. Come and help us figure out our content side of things, help us work with the community. And here I am. And a big part of what I do is trying to explain to people the idea behind both them. Because if you look at it, you're just going to think like, okay, that's like a fairly nice, but quite expensive t-shirt. I get it. And, and gender neutral brands as a whole are, 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 controversial because a lot of big companies are like oh we have a gender neutral range and it's like a gray hoodie and i'm like just because it's oversized yeah so true doesn't mean that it's gender neutral i mean for the first thing we're not gender neutral we're not trying to be gender neutral we're trying to solve a very specific problem Mm. and you know i'll give you some examples so we have a couple of different t-shirts they all have different names different people they're named after our main one is called the finnegan uh do i have one behind me Oh, please yes. say yes. Yay! Actually, I, I what, I'll, show, I'll show you the Franklin because this is, uh, this is a good winter option. Okay. This is turning into like live TV <laughs> selling, isn't it? I'm like, for yours, for just thirty nine ninety nine. Um So this is the Franklin. It's a long sleeve kind of oh, raglan gosh. t-shirt. So it's like, good fit. I can even um, see the quality on that. And I'm not just saying it. Obviously, there'll be is, people listening, but we will have a, yeah. a, a YouTube version of this. So it's all, it's all good, Max. It's all good. So it's like thick cotton it's all like sustainably ethically sourced all of the good stuff uh, yes. but the main things for me are the features so you've got high collar so you're gonna cover any kind of like binder or anything you're wearing underneath yes good point. um so when yep. i first met finn i hadn't had top surgeries it was a really big thing for me and a lot of um you know non-binary people or trans people who maybe aren't considering surgery it's a good option um with the other thing you've got that i really like is you can see God, never go into TV selling, Max. You're awful at this. <laughs> um, you've got these slits at the side. You oh, can see that. Yes, I can One see is that. slightly longer than the other. So if you think about a traditional sort of AFAB body, yeah. you've got like hips and some more weight kind of around the waist area. Yeah. And that could be super dysphoria inducing for people. I know it's something that I find really, really difficult. Mm. If you are an AFAB person who has ever tried on a man's t shirt or male t shirt, who told you anyway? Yeah. You will know that it can be very tight around your hips and you'll be loose on your waist and tight on your hips so yeah it's completely redesigned it's got this like slight taper towards the outside so it fits over your hips but it still gives you that very straight silhouette yeah and when we talk about kind of masculinizing a body if that's what you're looking to do you have to really think about shapes and this is something that i was absolutely not aware of until i transitioned so mm. on the whole um male bodies masculine bodies whatever you want to call them will be either a lot straighter or they will have this kind of inverted triangle like the dorito shape 
Right. Um, like an upside down Dorito. So that's what my personal trainer said to me when I told him I wanted to look more mask. He was like, like a Dorito. And I was like, <laughs> I know yes, what I- Ed. <laughs> I know what I look like myself when I've eaten too many Doritos. It's probably a very different shape. But yeah, probably go on. Probably slightly you. different. I'm, I'm with um, you, but go for it. So once you start thinking about the shapes that you want to make, yeah. that's how we redesign the clothing. And, and this is everything that Finn has done is he's, you know, started from scratch and saying, right, these are all the things that I hate about the way that clothing fits me. And yeah. clothing is made, you know, when we get into the depths of it, clothing is made in such a non-diverse way. It's made for like skinny little white boys mostly Mm. and skinny white women and it's like that's fine but there's an awful lot of other people and that's what size that you know that's what sizing is based on if you think and and this is how i explain dysphoria to people i'm saying you walk into a shop you try on a top and you put it on you think oh god no not for me Mm. that is what all of this is based on and it's yes it's a t-shirt and you know we've started doing some other clothing as well now but actually what it comes down to is just putting something on that you feel comfortable in and you feel your best in. And, mm. you know, I'm a big believer in kind of Dutch courage. I know that if I look banging, I will be super confident at any kind of event. That's why I'm Absolutely. always so dressed up because I'm actually really shy. Yeah. But if I've got a badass suit on, I'm like, I look great. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. And I yeah. think that for me is the ethos behind both hands is that actually everybody deserves to be comfortable. Everybody deserves to feel good. Everybody deserves to have nice things and something that I notice again and again with the trans community is that we don't believe that we deserve nice things mm. because we're not treated like that we're not treated like we deserve even access to basic healthcare and rights let alone you know and I'm not talking about like luxury products but just like clothing that fits and makes us feel good yeah exactly decent employment you know mm. so it's it's it starts off with a t-shirt but it really goes into kind of gender euphoria and comfort and and being able to present yourself to the world in a way that you don't feel the need to shy away, which unfortunately a lot of trans people do. Yeah, no. And, and also, you know, like you say, ultimately it is that whole thing. If, if you look good, you feel good, you know. and, you, and Or you can pretend show. to feel good. Yeah, but you do get that increased confidence, you know, that does mm. kind of come with it. And, and, and as you say as well, this is what I also love about, you know, what you well what you seem to come across to do in my eyes is that you are about that positive side of the trans in, trans community because we do have often such we hear the negative side um you know and that that doesn't mean that that doesn't exist and that we shouldn't be aware of that and we shouldn't also make sure we're talking about it but there is there is the other side to to queer life as well mm-hmm. you know and trans community included in that of course and it's about making sure that we are celebrating it and something that i seem to think that you do so well yeah I try and strike a balance because I really don't like the whole like toxic positivity thing and I think that can be super damaging Mm. for our community so it's we have to talk about the difficult things and you know that's why I bring up like politics and the media in the state of the UK Mm. but you also have to um some other way I like to put it is quiet hope like small things that happen around you and you you said it really well you're like they're often the loudest voices but they're not the majority Mm. and I think about um a really emotional experience I had where I was running the stall for Not A Phase, which is a trans charity. I was running their stall at Essex Pride, oh, like okay. Chelmsford, you know, pretty random place to be my first time in Essex. And we were just running a t-shirt decorating stall, um, people coming, having a chat with us, like bringing their kids over. And over the course of the day, I saw so many parents kind of quietly bringing their kids, and, and, and I say kids, but you know, anything from 
10 to, to 18. Mm. And, and you know, they, their parents were kind of just there looking a bit awkward, but their kids had like pride flags and like yeah. non-binary flags and trans flags. And you could tell that this was one of the first spaces they could just be themselves in. Mm. Mm-hmm. And their parents looked sort of like cautiously hopeful because they could tell it was a safe space, but also just exhausted because it's been so hard. But I look at people like that who are not, you know, these people are not huge queer advocates. They're not queer parents in their own right. They just had a kid who said to them, like, I don't feel good in this body. And they're supporting them mm-hmm. and they're taking them to pride. And I, when I feel really down, I try and think about those moments. Mm-hmm. And I also try and show it's not just, it's not about doing really well or being successful or any of those things. It's just about a baseline of comfort and happiness. Mm. Nobody necessarily needs like loads and loads of money or, you know, an amazing marriage or whatever, but you, you know, trans people deserve to just have a nice life like everyone else and whatever that looks like for them. But the unfortunate reality is that a lot of people aren't, you know, trans people earn on average 60% less than cisgender people of the same age and economic background, which is insane when you think about it. So even just being able to say something like, hey, you can be trans and have a job. You can be trans and have a relationship. You can be trans and have a house. Those things are, you know, they may not be accessible to you right now, but you are entitled to them. And Mm -hmm. there are people that want to help you do that. Mm -hmm. And it might not be, it's not going to be as easy as if you weren't trans, but you can still have it. Yeah. And people, people need to know that I needed to know that. Mm. And now I'm, I'm kind of there and I'm saying like, Hey, like this, I promise you, this is not as far away as it seems. Yeah. And, and, and it's people like yourself and as a role model as well. And someone who's, you're truly living that to where as much as you can again, you know, um, I think that is, is, is really important for people to see, uh, particularly if they maybe are questioning their their gender identity or, or transitioning or wherever they may be on that stage on that spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, to know that there is there is that opportunity out there, you know, and and also, unfortunately, you know, kind of touched on it a bit, but there's not always your chosen family. Uh, your family is your chosen family, mm-hmm. rather, uh, that can help. Mm-hmm. And knowing that those people are out there, you know, so it, it is important. I mean, what's been the kind of uh, response then? if I'm assuming you would have had you like from the trans community, particularly, you know, around clothing and having this now option for people to go, finally, I've someone who understands more and someone who can go, right, I've been through it and let's try and work with yeah. you to, to make it better. It's, it's really interesting because I think on the whole, people recognize what we're doing and they're really supportive of it. And particularly if you look at the both and, Instagram, you'll see that a huge amount of our content, like, yes, we are selling clothing, but a lot of what we do is telling trans stories. So we did a whole series over the course of the last week of trans elders for LGBTQ History Month in the US, and just raising voices and showing bodies on social media that aren't really there a whole lot of the time. We have an incredible photographer who shoots on film and she does these beautiful portraits. And again, it's it's about seeing ourselves portrayed as beautiful models. It's not just a token trans person in the media. It's like yeah. all these trans people just living their best lives. The issue that we run into is cost. And it's always going to be cost because yeah. we are creating a bespoke, beautiful product that is incredibly well produced but it's expensive and we know that and we're looking at ways to produce 
for you know lower income um trans people who need to access our products we give away product we do top surgery fundraisers we try and do as much as we can but i you know i i can't not address it because i know that it's the main you know critique we receive is that this is very expensive and it's particularly expensive for trans people and we're like we know and we're trying we're trying to make it we're trying to make it easier but at the same time we're not asos you know We, we can't produce for those at that scale but it is really difficult on the whole and what we always say to people is someone looks at it and they think like oh that's a lot of money for a t-shirt or you know what's what's this is a white t-shirt what's so special about it and we say try it on yeah just try it on and tell me how you feel because that is the thing and I it's super personal to me because I spent such a long time wearing men's clothing Mm. that I got so used to things not fitting and then I remember putting it on and thinking oh my like this is comfortable. It's not like pulling on my shoulders or tight on my hips. I don't have to like cut it or pull it or whatever to make it fit. And I think there's so many people who are so used to being so uncomfortable that yeah. this is, you know, the, the universe that they exist in. But yeah, on, on the whole, and particularly in relation to our content, people are really supportive. We've been um, fundraising with a WeFunder that's like 80% funded now. Wow, um, we have some great. amazing investments. So Whenever people say, you know, the trans community doesn't have any money, I always push back on that because I'm like, no, they do. There's there are some trans people in some really high up places mm-hmm. and there is only going to be more as this new generation of people comes into the workplace and refuses to not be themselves. Yeah. We absolutely. are coming into that. And, you know, it's it's exactly the same as what was said about the queer community five years ago. It's even said now by some mm-hmm. companies. You know, I, I worked for a, an LGBTQ dating app selling advertising mm. and the amount of people who didn't want to work with us because they didn't think that their product was going to get bought. And I'm sat there thinking, this is a huge population of people, people with a lot forget. of money. People forget. A lot yeah. of money. And like, you know, particularly, um, you know, on the whole, less queer people have kids, so they have more disposable income. They might be living mm-hmm. slightly different lives. Yeah, there's, it's exactly the same thing as what people have said before and it's going to change and we're going to see this huge buying power and this huge influence of people who are actually saying, no, I want things that fit me and something that's made for me rather than just this kind of generic body shape. Mm. And putting up with that, like you say as well, isn't mm. it? You know, and it is true, it's like, you know, the pink pound is here. <laughs> yes, the pink pound, and yes, the pink and it. blue pound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, there's something crazy like 3.6 billion or something that the LGBTQ community is 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 worth in spending power. Wow. It's mad. And when you look at, you know, pride and how many companies are getting involved in that, that is, there's a reason for that. Like there's money to be made. And I know that that's controversial, but my view as someone who, who, grew up slightly before that is that it's still better than not having it Mm. if you can walk into your local supermarket and see a pride flag that's better than not seeing a pride flag yeah I know what you mean I think sometimes you know it's that whole thing of uh you know all press (laughs) good bad press sometimes yeah and tokenism uh, and pinkwashing yeah yeah. of course I mean and and you know at the same time again coming even similar work for what you're doing as well I'm very much about working with organizations to stop the pinkwashing and everything else but like you say Maybe, uh, and again, don't write in viewers and, and read. <laughs> this is just uh, just putting it out there. But for some people, that visibility will make them think, oh, I didn't even realise it was Pride, t- Pride season. Um, and this is, um, and, and now they're aware. But 
the responsibility I do believe organisations have, as we know, is to make sure it's three, six, five days of the year. Yes. <laughs> as opposed absolutely. to just, uh, oh, here's a nice uh, rainbow sandwich. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I run a speaking session called um, How to Run Pride Campaigns That Don't Suck. Um, ah. And I always, I'm always really happy when a brand signs up for it because I'm like, does that mean your pride campaign suck? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it talks about kind of making sure that you have a charity element and making sure that yeah. you have an internal LGBTQ community. Like, I'm not here saying like, yeah, every brand should do pride and just put rainbows on stuff. But no, not at all. I do think there's a deeper conversation to be had about how powerful it is for a queer person who who you know is is probably maybe 25 or older, and particularly like older queer people you know, people in their 60s and 70s who it was literally illegal for them to be out and now mm. they walk into Barclays and see an ad with a same-sex couple on it like mm. that is progress mm. and money makes progress if these companies think they can make money off us they're going to normalize it and that is helpful for everyone mm. so it's yeah, yeah it's, it's controversial and it's difficult and I don't quite know how I got onto this topic but as you can tell I'm very <laughs> passionate about it yeah. um, well don't blame me uh, listeners uh, blame Max <laughs> You can come for me in my DMs. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, I don't think it's anything negative, actually. I think it's just actually you've got to look at the whole picture and there's certain elements to it. You know, ultimately, we need visibility three, six, five days of the year. We know that. And every step working towards that, I feel, which I hear from what you're, get, you're saying, is a step of progress. Mm. Uh, it's just making yeah. sure we have like, no steps backwards and keep pushing it forwards, isn't it, uh, yeah. in, in doing that. Um, as an influencer, because obviously you're, you know, uh, particularly more so with the TikTok uh, and Instagram, which one? Well, actually, I don't want to say what's your favourite, but because um, TikTok, <laughs> oh, God, now that's controversial. I'm going to you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I mean, I have an interesting relationship with TikTok. Am I allowed to, am I allowed you to talk, talk about, about it? You say what you want to say. It's all yours. So we're going to get very social media manager technical here. Okay. So I, <laughs> oh, I've been on Instagram for a really long time. I've been... I was like the Tumblr generation. So okay, right. I moved from Tumblr to Instagram, had it for ages, and I have I have a fairly big following, um, really nice community. And then there's TikTok. And TikTok can be great. I am not like it can do some great stuff, but the way that the TikTok algorithm works is that it throws your content in front of people who wouldn't really seek it out. And right. that's why people get such big reach on it. You know, you see these videos with like millions of views and you're like, great. The problem with that is that there is very little safeguarding. So, yes, the, you know, the goal of TikTok, if the goal of TikTok is to go viral, my videos go viral and I'm like, oh God, because what that means is a couple weeks of really vicious hatred mm. from mm. people who have really, you know, not, they're not, you know, adjacent to the queer community. It's just like popped up on their feed and they see it. And, you know, I've been called some horrible things mm. on TikTok. I came off it completely for a while because I just did not feel safe. And yes, I know people say, oh, you know, you don't have to read the comments, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I, nobody should have to read these comments. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the answer is because I, I think that TikTok is a really powerful tool for educating. It's a really powerful tool for reaching people who wouldn't be in your orbit. You know, mm. I'm sure you'll understand this as an educator. We can end up screaming into a void. You know, we can yeah. end up in this echo chamber where we're like, trans people should have rights. And all the other trans people are like, yeah. And there's no cis people there at all. Or there's no straight <laughs> people there at all. So we yeah. have to be able to, to access these people. But the problem is we're accessing them in a space where they're not 
educated in any other way. They're not expecting it. They're able to be very abusive anonymously because there's no real accountability. Mm, So yeah. yeah, TikTok is tricky for me. I'm working on it. Instagram is my my main place that I hang out in at the moment. So yeah, come come say hi on Instagram at their queer shameless self promotion. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We would have done it if you hadn't. So you're all good. You're all good. Um, well, look to the positive side again. I know I totally hear what you're saying because just to go back to what you're talking about, those comments. You know, social media plays such a massive role in in our lives. You know, love it or hate mm. it, um, and you know it can have a massive negative impact on people's uh, mental health, self esteem, mm-hmm. stress, anxiety, and and you know because that is really what it is that that in many ways that gratification, isn't it? You know, or what what's been the response? And when you don't get a positive response, you know, then and it's horrible, negative, um, homophobic, biphobic, transphobic, you know, hate speech, etc. Of course, that is not good for anybody. So I think it's important to, you know, be aware of it as we as we all should be, and then know to, when to take that time out for the self care mm. that we all mm-hmm. we all kind of need. But thinking about the positive side of social media, very quickly want to talk also about uh, your your great news, your recent engagement. La la. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the smile, the smile. Um, tell us <sighs> about that. Tell us about kind of. Was it all your idea? Because you you kind of proposed you you did a, like a mock up photo shoot. Was am I right? Or tell us tell us how it happened. I'm I'm giving you a version of events. So I I decided I wanted to propose to Laurie uh, in about May. Mm-hmm. So I was planning it for a while, and I reached yeah. out to a photographer friend of ours, Steph. I love you, Steph. Um, I love you too, Steph. She's bloody brilliant. Um, LGBTQ wedding photographer. Um, and she'd shot she shot us before and I was like, right, here's my plan. I want to propose to Laurie and I want it photographed, but I want it to be a surprise. Yeah. So I kind of say to Laurie, I'm like, oh, Steph's going to come down and like shoot us, you know, like no big deal. We're just going to do some stuff on the beach, whatever. And that's quite good. That's something that happens a fair amount in our house. So it's not, not that weird. Yeah. Go off, find the ring. Um, I'd been given instructions. So Laurie is, is, uh, a vintage aficionado. Um, she mostly only really wears kind of twenties and thirties clothing. Okay. So as you can imagine, very specific, uh, 1920s original art deco round, no square, not round, not too big gold, diamond, sapphire and emerald. Okay. That does not <laughs> exist. I looked for it. <laughs> Doesn't exist. I was thinking Google, Google, Google. Yeah, I mean, I, me trolling through Etsy every single night when she's asleep. She, she's like, what are you doing? Nothing. Don't yeah. look at my phone. Um, <laughs> Having an affair. Because <laughs> it all got so suspicious. <laughs> honestly, I don't know how she never twigged it. But um, so I managed to find the ring, got it resized, got it sent, hit it, bought a ring box. And I was, it was so weird because I couldn't really tell anyone. I told my, my best friend, um, but that was it. And, and Steph. And then it came around and it was our, it was our anniversary that we were shooting on and woke up in the morning and mm. Laurie had got me a card and she gave me a ring box and I looked at it and I thought, you, you better not like, babe, no. I opened it, beautiful signet ring. She was not proposing. I was like, oh. okay, good. <laughs> do a few shots at the house, kind yeah. of like ease into it. And I was like, I want to do a, a fish and chip shoot on the beach. You know, we live in Hastings. Yeah. That was like one of our first dates, fish and chips on the beach. Oh, nice. Go and get some chips. Go, went into the chippy. 
And I was like, I need you to give me one bag of chips and one empty bag that looks like it's got chips in it. And he was just, he was like, <laughs> what is, and this is like a very busy Saturday in the summer. And this guy was yeah. just like, mate, like stop messing me around here. So I did, I went, I'm proposing and I'm hiding the ring in the bag. And he was like, okay, I don't care. So <laughs> Still. <laughs> gives, gives, gives me these chips. And he kind of like, like fakes this other bag. We go and find somewhere on the beach. We're shooting. And then I, I, I take the bag of chips off her and give her my bag, which has the ring in it. What's really funny is that if you watch the video, she's like, oi, don't take my chips. Because she was really hungry. <laughs> so she thought I was nicking her chips. And then she looks in it and the video is hilarious. Am I allowed to swear? Because she I swears in the she video. Can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Prior warning, everyone, I'm about to swear. Um, so I, I, gave her the, I gave her the bag and there's, a, there's an audio recording of this on my Instagram. She goes, what's that? And I was like, open it. And then she, she pulled it out and I, I took the ring box out and opened it. And she just goes, fuck off. <laughs> Which is my favourite response. And I was so surprised that that was her response. Yeah. That I just start laughing. I'm pissing myself. She's crying. Yeah. And she's like, are you serious? And I was like, no. Yeah, obviously. Like, I took everything I had not to say. I was like, yeah, I'm serious. And then oh. she starts crying and realizes what's happening. But yeah, I I will never be so smooth in my whole life. I've <laughs> never pulled off something that good. I never will again, but it was fully worth it. Oh. Can recommend. Well, listen, congratulations from, Thank from you. us all at Pride Life Presents. Um, does it feel any different now you're you're engaged? <laughs> you still having chips? You still-, <laughs> still having chips on the beach. I mean, like... No, because I've, I mean, I've known I was going to marry her for like 10 minutes after I met her. Oh. You know, I was like, I need to lock this down. Oh. It's really, it feels really nice. It feels nice to kind of, to plan it and to think about it from that perspective. But it just, it just makes, it makes sense. And it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I, I try and talk about publicly as much as I can, because I, you know, when I first came out, my mum said, well, surely less people want to date you now that you're trans and that she wasn't trying to be nasty that was just like literally how she saw it yeah and I think about that all the time and then I think like I am so happy and I am so loved and so lucky but that's not the abnormal like Mm. first of all like trans people can be loved but we are perfectly entitled to loving healthy relationships and when we can be ourselves we can have those kind of relationships you know I have a a, a not great track record prior to Laurie because I wasn't myself. I wasn't comfortable with who mm. I was and that comes out in other ways. Yeah. And I, I just want people to see that actually, you know, Laurie's a, a cis woman. She's, mm. she's identifies as queer, but you know, we are just together as two people. Yeah. And she Most loves me for exactly who I am. And it's not in spite of transness. It's just, that's a part it's of for me. You just who you are yeah yeah that's exactly it yeah yeah and I want people to see that yeah and do you feel like that's kind of something that you've like learned more about yourself as well in in terms of like an acceptance almost even based on what you just said about previous relationships you know you weren't really able to be where you're at or you weren't feeling that 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 great about yourself in that those moments do you feel mm. you've learned a lot since being in that relationship I think 
I learned a lot from the bad relationships. Mm. I learned what I wouldn't, wouldn't, would and wouldn't put up with or deal with what I wanted. Mm. I think the most important thing that I learned from everything that happened before this was that you have to be okay on your own before you're with someone else. Yeah. Cannot look for that other person. And you know, this is all getting very like metaphorical relationship, but, <laughs> but queer you people... love yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Queer people on the whole are not very good at recognizing that they deserve to be treated really kindly and with love. We are on the whole conditioned to believe that we are less lovable or less likely to find both romantic and platonic relationships that are healthy. So sometimes we, you know, we hang on to things that aren't good for us and we look for yeah, fulfillment or completion in someone else. And that can be really difficult. Yeah. So for me, it was actually about finding someone where I was like, you, I'm already myself and you allow me to be that version of myself. Mm. And, you know, that I could speak all day about the things that Laurie has given me, but the freedom to be myself and do the things that I want to do and be supported and be loved through that is the biggest thing. Mm. Mm. It's being with someone who is like, like she is her own person. She has her own life. And so do I. And we come together and we create this other thing. We are not one unit. Mm. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of us forget is, is, you know, the lesbian urge to merge, whatever you want to call it. We become this one thing because a lot of the time we've been through a lot of trauma and we just want to like attach to this person that makes us feel good. And I've done it and I get it. But you have to be able to exist as a whole person. You have to build that person and then bring that to someone else. Mm. And that's she's taught me that I can be that separate entity and also be in a relationship that I don't have to sacrifice any parts of myself who I am what I want to be what I want to do with my life in order to be with someone and I'm not talking you know like obviously we have to compromise on certain things but how many times have people in in not particularly healthy relationships changed how they dress or how they present or how they talk or how they act or their interests because their partner didn't like them isn't interested you know Mm. I I can't count the amount of times that I had partners like oh I wish you'd dress more feminine Mm. And I felt uncomfortable and, and I, I did because I wanted to please them. So it's, mm. I mean, it's, there's so much to it, but a lot of it comes down to just being your best self and being someone just being like, I just want you to be happy. Mm. Like I just, I just want you to be the happiest version of you and I will love whoever that is. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's so true. And I think particularly when people have, you know, not even just people within our community, but, you know, lower self-esteem or if they've had negative experience, negative, mm-hmm. negative relationships, you do kind of, you let a lot of yourself go and you will try and kind of morph into what that partner wants you to do. And and that can leave a lot of people very vulnerable, um, mm. you know, and at risk of, you know, control and abuse within their own relationships and that toxic toxicity so i think it's important that uh you know people who will hear that story as well you know again and 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 uh hopefully find some strength and comfort in in that and and why it's important um just talking about when you've mentioned uh or when we talked a little bit earlier about uh, you've talked about or written about uh transsex 
uh, where you've mm. written stuff over the face. Oh, shit, did I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, me, me just like, ah, yes, my yeah. favourite topic. <laughs> but I think following on because we're talking about relationships and stuff, and I think even this topic in itself, it's not about going into details, but it's, I think it's education, though, isn't it? And mm. myth-busting and better education for people mm. to maybe have the education where they are not asking the intrusive questions where they're understanding that you know you don't ask those personal questions directly because unfortunately a lot of people do feel they have the right to don't they you know Mm -hmm. you felt like it's made any much difference or is it something you want to maybe go write about more in future or plans to I absolutely want to write about more and when it can I think I guess I would want to write more in the intimacy space Mm. because again that comes into that idea that trans people are you know loved and lovable what is what I like to call it and and that can be physical intimacy or it can be platonic intimacy but you know I don't know what what people are being taught in school now but I know that my uh sex education was the most cishet normative ever it was focused entirely on safety Mm. there was no conversation around consent there was no conversation around pleasure Mm. you know if we're going to talk about trans sex we have to just talk about queer sex in general we have to talk about you know all of these amazing creators on instagram who are making content that is desperately needed because we don't have these conversations in school Mm. and then you add an extra layer on top of that when somebody might not have the body parts that you expect them to or that you're necessarily used to and that's fine Nobody expects anyone to go into any situation just knowing what to do. And this is one of the things that's so problematic about you know, the porn industry, for example. Like, yeah. I'm not necessarily against the porn industry, but I would love to see some porn that shows someone having a consent conversation. Is this okay? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, yeah. would you like it if I did this? Are you comfortable with this? Mm. And, you know, we go into adolescence and beginning our kind of sexual identities with no real understanding of how we should be having these conversations so whenever I start talking about trans intimacy I actually start at the beginning where everybody should be starting in my opinion talking about consent I'm talking about comfort and so many of the things that we can learn from transness and queerness can be applied in any scenario you know most trans people If you are going, you know, you're dating a trans person and you're going to spend the night at their house, really the main thing you just need to do is like, can you tell me about what you're comfortable with? What do you like? What's the big no for you? Mm. And anyone should be having those conversations. Absolutely. And and this is where that fear comes in because people think like, oh, how will I know what to do? And I'm like, ask, ask. (laughs) Everyone is different. Ask, ask the question. Mm. I lose track of how many times and I'm a classic like, give advice and not take it but whenever I speak to my friends about relationships and they're like particularly my straight friends they'll be like oh I just don't know I don't know what he's thinking I don't know what he thinks about this and I'm like have you asked him yeah just ask the question and my old boss used to call them squeaky bum questions which I love because it just gives you can feel it you can feel it can't you and it's like you and and Laurie and I talk about this a lot like the awkward questions the horrible ones and when you have to say stuff that's like really horrible and you're like oh god like you know, oh, I'm, you have to like admit that you've done something wrong and you're like, actually, I'm being a dick. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you feel horrible. Those are the things that bring you closer together. 
yeah. those moments and like do you want to have really shit uncomfortable sex or do you want to be like hey let's have this like slightly awkward conversation where we talk about yeses and nos and what you like and what you don't like but actually then we can have a really great time yeah because that's always that's what it comes one. down to like i can Absolutely. give you 101 ways to have sex with a trans person or i can just tell you to ask them what they like and if they say i don't know give them some ideas i wrote an article on it try something see what happens <laughs> <laughs> exactly the uh the a to z of uh squeaky bum questions <laughs> 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 that's another book for you to uh, start thinking about uh, max <laughs> i don't know who's going to publish that but sure <laughs> but it is so true though isn't it you know and once you've had those awkward questions and you know we've all been there um mm -hmm. look at me i nearly threw in that the believe me we've all been there <laughs> <laughs> oh we but, know Tusky, yeah, yeah. We know. <laughs> but you know yeah you do know right you know it's there um but it's true and it can make it so much better so you know do it people you know just think it through and just just have the conversation for for the best sex yes. ever <laughs> and the relationship yes yes uh, <laughs> um your bio and what you often talk about as well is thinking about um you know saying you know you're determined to prove that um trans joy exists um hurrah yes amazing and it does and you know that must really uh you must it must feel good to show to be in that kind of you know uh view of that's what you're trying to kind of put out there as well because it's also you do have to have it can take up a lot of energy can't it mm. you know so you know tell me a bit more about that you got the sigh is from <laughs> me sorry, trying I'm to figure no it's me <laughs> trying to figure out the balance because i think you know i said it before i, I don't like toxic positivity and i mm. like to acknowledge the things that are hard but I also want to acknowledge the good and I want to just, just a little bit of joy in everyday life. I spent such a long time thinking I'm doing everything else that everyone else is doing and I don't seem to be happy, but maybe this is just what happiness feels like. And now I look back on that point in my life and I'm like, babes, you had no idea. Mm. You had no idea how fucking amazing your life is going to be yeah. i am so happy i like wake up excited for the day i never thought i would have this like i thought i would be dead by the time i was 30 yeah. like and i don't you know and i don't you know i always say like being like trans people on the internet saved my life or being trans saved my life and i don't necessarily mean that in a in a morbid kind of suicide-esque kind of way although mm. i think it's very important to acknowledge that it is suicide and mental health in the trans community is a huge issue that mm. we need to tackle mm. but actually for me it's about a understanding who I was but b being able to be that person because it wasn't that I was hugely depressed I I don't have that traditional narrative of oh I always knew I was in the wrong body some people do and that's very valid but actually that narrative is not super helpful for people who didn't know yeah. that I don't necessarily feel like I was born in the wrong body I just I don't know mixed it up I don't know but yeah. being able to see other people living this life was really powerful for me and now I'm in this position where just just existing is controversial as a mm. trans person mm. you know I'm I'm speaking at an event next week and I'm talking about travel as a trans person, which is a, a very new topic to the mm. industry. Um, you might have seen that Virgin Atlantic uh, changed their their gender policy or yeah. their uniform policy, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, which is which is huge. And yeah, you know, the travel industry is so 
old fashioned and, and I'm, I'm going to speak at an event about it. And I was thinking about my points and I realized that actually one of the, you know, it's like, what, what do we need to do for trans people? What do trans people need to see in the travel industry? And I was like, they need to see themselves yeah, because people don't realize that this is something that's accessible for them. And I, I see, you know, travel is, is a form of joy. You can have so many joyful experiences in that. Mm. And even just, again, it's, I said it so many times in this podcast, but you can have nice things. Mm. you 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 deserve to go abroad deserve. you deserve to have yeah, a passport yeah. with your right gender marker on it you deserve to be treated with respect wherever you go mm. you deserve to feel safe and i often forget that it doesn't have to be super complicated it doesn't have to be like waving a trans flag everywhere it can literally just be saying like hey i went to spain and it was really nice and i didn't get like shit for being trans mm. that was mm. it you know i took my shirt off on the beach that was it because that's where we're at and it's it's so simple but it brings me a lot of joy to do and when I get really tired and I get really burnt out from you know I did 17 different speaking sessions for pride this year and then just didn't speak for about three days um (laughs) we all had lockets (laughs) yeah literally you know the first week of July is just like queer week of rest like leave them all alone they're tired and hungover um you know, it's, it's just not something that we get to see that much. And the media is not helpful with it. So if I can put a little bit of like positivity out there and show people that they'll be okay, it sounds super cheesy, but it's kind of what I needed to see if I'd have seen, but if I was 15 again and saw this guy like living his best life, I'd be like, Oh, that might be me. Yeah. And I would have figured stuff out a lot earlier and it probably would have been a lot cheaper so <laughs> that there's someone watching this thinking like that it's it's just about saying like yeah that might be you and you're going to be all right like Absolutely. trust me you'll be all right and that's what I say to the parents that I meet as well I'm like I know you're scared but they will be okay yeah like you're doing everything right they will be okay yeah it'll be okay and and I think you know it's never ever cheesy never cheesy I think look you are representing like you say that visibility it wasn't there and it still isn't there enough and it's so important that you are out there and you are being happy but you're realistic in the situation but you're still saying you know what in my world too I deserve to be happy you know again summing that up isn't it Mm. um you know um we are advocates and and we're we're always you know fight fight our corner where we should as a community and as allies but I think um yeah like you say being able to still stand up and go actually but I do deserve to have have me fish and chips on the beach and I have to to go (laughs) on holiday and I did see your travel story actually I saw that just saw that earlier and I really loved that you talked about when you're going through airport at the airport, mm. you know, through the um, passport control and stuff like that. And even things like that, how many people will take that for granted? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you do have to get searched and thinking about what you might say so it's not such a awkward situation and preparing some trans people almost as well. I think that's really, really important. I think there's a lot of things about being trans that cis people don't think about. Mm. And I don't mean that in like an ignorant way. I just have so many conversations where I explain something and someone goes, oh, I had no idea. Mm, Because it's just not something that you come across. And, you know, if you're thinking about airports, so those body scanners that you go in where you you put your arms up, you know, so they have to pick a gender for you when you, so you go in and they, you Mm. put your arms up and they, they literally press male or female. And then if you've got a part of your anatomy that maybe doesn't match up with that, it's going to flag. Yeah. And that 
can happen for a lot of people mm. and that can be an uncomfortable conversation and you are really in that situation you are anything from yeah you, know, you could be in a country where you speak the language and you can explain to people and maybe they've been trained and maybe you're protected by law against hate mm. crime or discrimination which in the uk you are but unfortunately even then a lot of them don't have training yeah. or you can be on the other side of the world you know i got into a, a horrible situation in singapore airport because they thought i was a guy and this was pre pre-transition they gendered me as male mm. but my passport said female so they thought my passport was fake right yeah and in those scenarios you're like th there is no protection for you in that country mm. so it's some of it is some of it's safety and some of it's just saying right now with the way the world is part of traveling is going to be uncomfortable for you mm. however it is worth it and we're going to give you some tips for doing that something that i'm working on at the moment is a project called trans and traveling where i'm creating a website with loads of resources loads of experiences with um one of my friends and something that we're going to do is these little cards that are going to be translated into as many languages as we can find or that we can get people to do that will say i'm trans my body scan may show up xyz if you would like to search me, please can we go somewhere private? And we're going to have a lot of different options that people can print them off and take them with them mm. so that when they're in that situation, they feel like they've got a backup and they feel like they can communicate. And mm. we cannot guarantee people's safety. We cannot guarantee it's not going to be uncomfortable, mm. but it might be slightly less uncomfortable if you're prepared for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such a great idea and so important. Um, and again, you know, ultimately you're you're empowering people when, they're, when they've got those options, you know. Um, and again, that will hopefully encourage people to travel more, people from the trans community in particular who would have avoided so. things for that. So I really do, really do love that. Um, just before we kind of start thinking about, you know, because I, I always say this, I chat to people all day and all night. Uh, oh, I could be here for hours. It's a true story. I really can. Uh, so sometimes <laughs> wish there was like more time. Um, um, but just one thing I do want to talk to you about as well, uh, gender euphoria. Um, we've seen it, mm. you know, within the community. What does it mean to you? Tell us a bit more, maybe for those listening, watching, might not even heard of the term before. So in from a definition perspective, gender euphoria is the opposite of gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Gender dysphoria being the feeling of discomfort that you get from not feeling that you match the way you look or the way that you are being gendered by someone. Um, and and unfortunately in this country, the way that you, you kind of are allowed to medically transition is you have to be diagnosed as having gender dysphoria, which is mm. problematic in many ways, but we'll, that's another podcast at another point. <laughs> so the, the kind of opposite of that is gender euphoria. And the best way that I can describe that is if you think about a time where you put on a piece of clothing and you were like, oh, I look good. Like you looked in the mirror and you were like, mm, yes, this is for me. I think That's you, must what have that. you must have that a lot, Max. Mr. Backup, come on now. But you would on, be sorry. surprised at how long I take to get ready. That's all I'm saying. Um, uh, it's that moment where you think like, yeah, I see myself. Yeah. I see myself and I look good. And this is how I want to present myself to the world. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the, I guess, the, the baseline definition for me. Gender euphoria is about being comfortable with myself to the point that I don't have to always think about being trans. Yeah. And this is what I always say. I'm like, if there's a trans agenda, which is a phrase that we hear all the time, mm. and I'm like, can someone tell me what it is? Because I don't know. Um, <laughs> but if there is one, it is 
for trans people to just exist without always having to think about the fact that they're trans. Yeah. So being in public and worrying about going to the bathroom, all of the travel stuff we've just talked about, mm-hmm. literally wondering about how every single person is going to perceive you. You know, I spent whatever part of my transition um, where, you know, sometimes people would gender me as male, sometimes people would gender me as female in public. And it's just, you're just there constantly expecting somebody to be nasty to you, mm. to treat you differently, to stare at you, to hurt you. Yeah. And that's horrible. Mm. And actually, it means that a lot of trans, and particularly non-binary people who maybe aren't medically transitioning or trans people who aren't medically transitioning, yeah end up in this really uncomfortable space where it's really, really hard to socialize and exist and work and go outside and feel confident. So to me, gender euphoria is about just being able to exist and get on with whatever else you want to do without having to think about it. And I feel that very strongly when I'm in queer spaces, particularly in trans spaces, and you kind of stop. um, I always use the the neurodivergent term masking. Mm -hmm. You stop putting anything on and you're just yourself and you're just comfortable with who you are and you're accepted as that person and you feel safe Mm. and to me that's a a broader definition of gender euphoria because that's not about passing which i hate as a phrase anyway Mm. but it's not about fitting into a box it's not about reaching somebody else's expectations it's just about being happy with who you are and feeling comfortable and being able to be that person it's Mm. those kids at pride covered in pride flags knowing that they're safe Mm. you know it's 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 that kind of discomfort and joy and getting on with your life yeah that authenticity as well for you isn't yeah. it? yeah hugely yeah yeah i love that i love that well um in before again the final question Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> um it won't be our final question max i just know it uh but <laughs> for today for today thinking about that future you know and, I, and this might sound very obvious um but you know what is your hope for the trans community uh in the future in terms of you know i guess really well obviously you know equity inclusion you know no transphobia of mm-hmm. course um but if, based on what you're doing as well you're obviously you know you're working towards the creating uh that that positive kind of stance mm. on things yeah i mean i guess if you take it all outside of you know there's always going to be something going on but i would like to see trans inclusion become a much more mainstream expectation Mm. in the same way that lgb inclusion is starting to become and i by no means think that you know we're not done with with queer inclusion as a whole we are you know if 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 if, heterosexual people are here and queer people are here trans people are like off the screen like Mm. we're in the we're in the other room so i would love to see trans people kind of catching up and that that works in two ways it's social attitudes but it's also about legal and political representation Mm. the uk government becoming much less hostile to trans people and i was having a conversation with a friend earlier and they mentioned that uh someone was talking to them about keir starmer and saying or he's you know he's been he's been very pro trans rights And I sort of made a face and she asked me why. And I said, well, there's a difference between being pro-trans rights and not being actively transphobic. Because we're we're at a point where we don't need just neutrality. We need active allyship. Absolutely. And I would love to see action from the, the general community, like everyone, but action from other queer people, particularly, I think, um, cis gay men, because they have a lot of power 
and they often are in positions of power and they can advocate really well. And I've seen some amazing things happen when they have advocated for trans people. So I would love to see anyone with any kind of you know allyship and power mm. using that to help trans people. And I would love to see that represented in social attitudes, but and then backed up with legal changes, protections, support, expectations, healthcare. You know, there's there's so many places I don't know where to start, but it begins with a recognized recognizing trans people as human beings who deserve respect and, and access to the same things that everybody else has. Mm. Um, I will leave you with a very quick anecdote, which is um, when I first told my GP in London that I was trans and I, I was already starting hormones and I happened to mention it in a different appointment. And he said, oh, okay. Um, can you send over any paperwork you have on that? Cause we don't get any training. Oh, and at the time I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Thank you so much for asking. And then I came off the call and I reflected on it. I thought, how would, like, as a, as a cis person or, a, you know, any, anyone who isn't trans, you went to the doctors and you mentioned something that you had, yeah. any kind of medical thing. And they were like, we didn't get any training on that. Yeah. You would be like, okay, that's painful for me. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see a trans person going to their doctors and their doctor being educated and respectful and helpful. Mm, I just, I, you know, the end goal is, is for trans people to not to have to always think about being trans. And right now that happens about 5% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of small steps to get there. We're moving in the right direction. Um, but yeah, people are, people are starting to realize and they're starting to stand up and they're starting to say, no, we're not cool with this. And that's, mm really nice to see yeah yeah absolutely and, and again allyship you know not just outside of our community within it absolutely mm -hmm. way so important i think i always uh, talk about myself um last thing i told you there'd be another question wouldn't i have you <laughs> have you set a date yet have you set a date or is it a long engagement you're saving I mean, it's going to be a long engagement because I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you say, save it up for more fish and chips. Yes, that's yeah. <laughs> well, I I said to um, I was like, nobody told me that buying the ring is the cheap bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I think I think um, potentially two years to the date of when we got engaged. Yeah. So twenty uh, seventh of August, twenty twenty four. Um, Laurie uh wants to get married in about eight different countries in a different place every day <laughs> so you should probably ask her i yeah. i was like okay babe let me just like you know get my business off the ground and we'll go from there yeah. um and then you know i've also i kind of like the idea of eloping as well i think that Ooh. we put way too much emphasis on the marriage no way too much emphasis on the wedding not the marriage yeah 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 and i love the idea of just like going off to like Gretna Green and yeah, getting yeah. like getting married and then yeah you know, I want to do the party and everything too but just that that really really personal bit like maybe just us or just our families yeah. I don't know I don't think Laurie's down for that but maybe we'll do all <laughs> so, of it yeah who knows yeah, something for everyone tell her that you can elope, yeah. elope in every country and then you know get on board <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um and also I have to get my gender recognition certificate sorted because right now if we get married I'm legally a woman um which is hilarious so you're really, but annoying yeah so um so we'll wait and <laughs> you heard it here folks <laughs> watch this space let's hope there's not a uh, postal strike because that'll take even longer for poor max to wait for that exactly and then for exactly. it to actually arrive on the We've got you know. to wait for the board to approve <laughs> me 
Oh, ridiculous. God. Yeah, I know. Well, like you say, you know, this is uh, something that, you know, we're laughing, but, you know, the reality is that a lot of people just completely, you know, overlook. Um, but uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. I am really uh, pleased for you both. And uh, it's you. so lovely to see. I look forward to seeing you in your fabulous outfits, um, you know, going forward. Thank as you. I say, Mr. Japper, in, in my eyes. <laughs> um, that is yeah. my formal title. <laughs> yeah, for, especially from me. Um, but listen, Max, thank you so much. We've really enjoyed having you on Pride Life Presents as one of our guests. So, so like, excited that you were able to come and chat to us. And, um, yeah, just keep going on being your fabulous self and doing everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Ah, oh, yay. Max Slack people. Well, don't forget that uh, you will be able to <laughs> you will be able to follow us, watch us, uh, look at for Pride Life Presents um, as it comes out. Uh, and also, you know, as I say, Pride Life magazine is all about inclusion for the LGBTQIA plus community and also thinking about, you know, our pride advocates as well, our pride life advocates and uh, the changes we can make. But we can all be allies as we even discussed earlier within our community and outside of it. So spread the word, people. Uh, put on your best clothes and let's have a party about it and be our true authentic selves. So thank you. And Max, once again, thank you so much. And uh, catch up thank with you. you another time, another suit, another platform. <laughs> Absolutely. Always. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Pride Life podcast with me, Saski, and my special guest. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and found something useful or empowering to take away, or maybe even both. To find out more, visit www.pridelifeglobal.com where you can find all our digital additions to the UK's leading LGBTQ plus magazine, plus much more. Or keep up to date by following us on Instagram at Pride Life Global. <laughs>